is Browns and Modern Gods. I I love making Richard laugh right before we start. <laughs> Hi, John. How are you? Good. Hey, uh, inside joke. Don't worry about it. Before we get started, I want to remind you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bronze and Modern Gods. Hey, check out our website, bronzeandmoderngods.com. Monday and Tuesday, I'm going to get merch set up on the website because everybody keeps setting me up for the hat, the uh, the baseball, Henley. I'm going to do it this week. So give me a couple of days. Uh, if you like us, then like us. Uh, if you really like us, subscribe to us. If you don't like us, give us a thumbs down. I don't know. What do you want? Uh, <laughs> what somebody else that you may like. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, you're, why are you wasting your time here? Life is short. Uh, we have our topic today, which is our top five underrated Spider-Man keys. Stuff you may not know about, stuff you may have forgotten about. You can still get it on the cheap. So check it out. That's coming up. We've got our underrated books of the week. We've got the 25-year rule. And we've got, of course, our hot book of the week starting us off. It is web dot of Spider-Man number one, Richard. Yeah, this is kind of a stretch for me because I love web of Spider-Man number one from the 80s. This yeah. One, yeah. So this is the first appearance of Harley Keener, a boy who first appeared in Iron Man 3. Not, do you remember that? I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, he was the main kid in Iron Man 3. Yeah. I'm right, sure. <laughs> uh, he was also in uh, Endgame. Uh, he was in the funeral scene with uh, for Iron Man. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember that, but I know this book also features Onome. Onomi? I don't know. How do you say I that? Say, I say Onomi. Onomi, these characters are both part of the Avengers Campus attraction at Disneyland, which I need to get to. I mean, I'm right here. I should go see it. Uh, this book is currently going for around 15 bucks for the regular cover. There are two variants. There's one featuring the Avengers Campus, and then there's a Mark Bagley 1 in 25 that's going for over 100 bucks already. Uh, like you said, I'm not sure about the long haul for this one. Uh, yeah, I, 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 would be, I would be cautious about going too deep with this book. Um, you know, buying that hundred dollar one in 25 variant, for example, I think there are other investments for a hundred bucks. If you're just looking at it from a spec point of view, that would make more sense than to buy that. I mean, I can get the excitement because of Avengers campus opening and, and the tangential relationship that this book has to it, but okay, let's fast forward to next year. Avengers campus is open for a year. Who gives a crap? Is, exactly. web, is web of Spider-Man number one still going to be a $15 book? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, go lightly with this book. Uh, just wait and see. But frankly, I think there are more, more important investments to make. In fact, that's our main topic today. Our top five underrated spider keys, stuff that you probably should be spending that $15 on besides this web of Spider-Man number one. And Richard, why don't you start us off with your first pick? My first one is because Spider-Man resets its numbering scheme every single year, it seems like anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm including the year. This is Amazing Spider-Man number nine from 2015. This is the second appearance of Spider-Gwen. Oh, which is amazing that this book is so still so affordable. We all know the first appearance of Spider-Gwen is Edge of Spider-Verse number two. Yeah. And that book is gone ballistic. $12,000 for the, uh, the variant cover in 9.8, for example. Um, it's, just an, it's just a tough book to, to be able to afford. But typically what happens is after the first uh, book or first appearance 
goes stratospheric, people migrate to the second appearance. And so far, no one really has has called this book out. Uh, there are some great variants for this book. Uh, Comic Exposure has a variant that has Spider-Gwen, Silk, Spider-Woman, and Peter on the cover. The, those three women are part of our Spider-Women, which is uh, a strong spec right now for a future uh, spider property. So it's it's amazing that you could still buy this book. I bought one today for $9. There you, you go. Can, yeah, you can still buy it cheaply. And there's uh, the I would recommend buying the comic exposure just because it is the second cover appearance of Spider Gwen. Um, you could you could buy that one. There's also a sketch variant of that book, which is basically black and white. Um, and both of them are go for about the same amount of money. Definitely something to keep an eye out. This this uh, the uh, a cover for uh, Spider Man number nine. It's fairly common. You can also buy it inexpensively. But eventually, and it may take to the next Spider-Verse movie coming out next year, uh, people are going to start gravitating to this key, I think. And now's the time to buy it. Oh, for sure. I, that's a good one. Uh, my first Spider-Key is Amazing Spider-Man 492. Now, this features a J. Scott Campbell Mary Jane cover, but not one that everybody's laser focused on. It's a cool cover. It's got that lower print run from the early 2000s. You can grab this one for about 10 bucks still. And wow. Yeah. And 493 also has another J. Scott Campbell Mary Jane cover that people just forget about. You know, they're so focused on that. I'm going to use air quotes here controversial cover of her on the couch. It's comic books, people. They're not supposed <laughs> to be anatomically correct. Okay. Just heads up. Um, <clears throat> but these two, I don't think get enough attention, and you can still grab them on the cheap. Yeah, great. Absolutely. Me, I'm a huge uh, J. Scott Campbell fan. Um, I try to buy one of his books whenever they run into my particular universe. So this is great. I mean, there are some really, really, really important books, uh, variant covers from him in the Spider-Man run. Yep. What's your next one? My next book, uh, I'm actually switching from Peter to, to Miles Morales. Uh, Spider-Verse number one from 2019, the second printing. This is a cool uh miles cover this is the first appearance of spider zero spider zero is um basically in charge there's this whole mythos of spiders in the spider verse and she is the mistress of the web she's the one who who uh maintains the the cosmic web that uh, envelops all of the universe and it's you know they they, they are leaning and hinting towards her being uh, Miles' sister from another uh, part of the multiverse. So if that's if that's actually true, there's there's a, definitely a strong tie uh, to her and Miles. The second print of this book is really <laughs> is really rare. I, I was looking at I was doing my research on it. Uh, there are sixty two thousand prints of the of uh, of the first run according to Comicron. It took me a good half an hour to to squeeze out of Comicron's database how many of the second print. There's about 1,775 for the second print. So, wow. Yeah, really small print run. Uh, you can pick up Raws right now for about 70 bucks. Uh, the GPA for a 9.8 is 184.90 day. The last sale was 215. There's only been two sales for all of 2021. Obviously, there's only 11 books on the census, so it's not going to have high numbers. 
but again, this is this is a book that if uh, Spider Zero becomes a character in uh, one of the Sony Spider movies, this is her key. This is her first appearance, and this is the rarest version of that book. This the second print. Warning: There is a second. There is a Walmart variant that also has a second print. Uh, it is not as valuable, in my opinion, but it's you know it's it is definitely out there. So this is a book that you could still find on eBay. So keep your eyes out, and when it comes up cheap, I, I'd, I'd pick it up and then put it uh, in your uh, spec book. Awesome. My last two are going back to the Bronze Age, classic Spider-Man. Okay. The first one is Amazing Spider-Man number 110. Now, this is the first appearance of the Gibbon, kind of made uh, infamous thanks to Reggie Collects. But that's not why I'm picking it. I mean, the Gibbon. You want, you want to spec on the Gibbon? God bless you. Go for it. This is the last story Stan Lee ever wrote for his original run on Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's interesting that you with Stan gone – that this hasn't been picked up more, that this is his last issue for uh, Spider-Man. A high-end raw copy runs you about 70 bucks, so it's not going to break the bank. Uh, and, you know, before the Gibbon gets his own Disney Plus series, oh, God, I want to grab this one. And my last one, I, it's funny, but I'm actually serious. It's Amazing Spider-Man 130, the debut of the Spider-Mobile. I've got a copy of that. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. If you grew up in the 70s or 80s, you knew about the spider mobile. It was meant to be stupid. It was meant to be fun. It was meant to be goofy. Even when they introduced it, they did not take it seriously. It was built for Spider-Man by the Human Torch. The classic uh, story. Uh, Peter gets behind the wheel with the torch and he says, hey, you know, I don't have a driver's license and I've never driven before. He lives in New York City, people. Come on. So uh, hijinks ensue. In reality, it was created to secure the trademark for a toy license. Okay, got it. A nice raw copy of the Spider-Mobile's first appearance. You can pay 55 bucks for it and you can be happy that you have this essential piece of Spider-Man history. Because everyone knows how important the Spider-Mobile is to Peter getting around the city. The best was that cover where I think it's the Tinkerer takes over the Spider-Mobile and it's trying to run Spider-Man over because it's going up a wall. and It's great. I love the spider It is awesome. It is. It's a piece of childhood right there. <laughs> it's, a, it's a piece of something. We're talking about memories. We're talking about the 70s. We're talking about going back in time. We're talking about the 25-year rule. I just <laughs> everything off my desk. <laughs> That's how excited I was about the 20. <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to go ahead because this one is a little close to my heart. It is Ultra Force Volume 2, number 15. Huh? I love the Ultraverse. Malibu's Ultraverse, when it first started, was something else. It was sort of a more writerly approach to create our own comics and image comics, kind of a response to that. Steve Englehart, uh, Steve Gerber, all sorts of great people came together to create these titles. And they got off to a great start, so much so that you know they had their own uh, line of uh, comic books in this Ultraverse. They had their own coloring staff that was using cutting-edge computer coloring. Marvel took notice, looked at the market share they were losing, looked at the computer coloring that they were doing, and said, 
Yoink, we'll buy that, thank you. Which spelled the beginning of the end for the Ultraverse. They tried, they kept it going for a while. They tried to integrate it into the Marvel Universe a bit. The Black Knight went back and forth between universes several times. Silver Surfer and Warlock met Rune. Uh, you had the Phoenix Force show up in the Ultraverse, huh? But <laughs> just all kind of came crashing down by December 1996 with both Ultraverse Volume 2, Number 15, and Rune Volume 2, Number 7. Those were the final Malibu Ultraverse titles. Kind of a sad ending to such a great line of books that because of contractual uh, limitations, creator owner things royalty payouts how to figure it out the splits they'll never be reprinted you'll probably never see the ultraverse again so did malibu end with the end of the ultraverse oh yeah all gone poof marvel bought malibu so there you go uh sad all of you out there anybody into the ultraverse back in the day let us know in the comments uh i miss it i loved strangers i loved sludge uh there was a great title called Exiles where Steve Gerber just really screwed oh, yeah. it. Yeah. We, well, before, before Marvel's Exiles, there was another title, Ultraverse, Exiles, yeah. where he kind of screwed with everybody by announcing this team of, uh, you know, basically mutants. And uh, they solicited it and got it out there. Issue four ends with everybody dying. Oh, wow. And they, had, they had solicited issue five and beyond. They didn't tell anybody. It was a shock. It was mm. meant to be this four issue experiment just to see if they could they mess with people's minds. And it was great. Wow. That sounds like a Walking Dead kind of thing to do. Well, that's Steve Gerber for you. We miss him. <laughs> we can't have an episode without me mentioning Steve Gerber at least once. <laughs> Time for our underrated books of the week. Richard, I love your pick. Oh, thanks. Yeah, mine is Nova number two, the seventh volume of <laughs> Nova. Yes, they re restart the numbering for Nova over and over again. So this is the first meeting of Sam Alexander, who is the current Nova, and Richard Ryder, who's the Nova that I grew up with. The only Nova. <laughs> uh, what, what happens basically is Richard Ryder returns. He comes back from the dead and... Uh, he's looking to become Nova again. Well, he's been replaced by Sam Alexander. So this story is about the two of them meeting and trying to strike up a solution to the problem of there are now two Novas. The reason why I think this is important, this is their first meeting. Uh, Kevin Feige has already stated that he would love to use both Novas in a future MCU property. So if that happens, the most what is most likely if he uses both of the Novas, as he's going to use them both in the same movie. And if that happens, this book is their first meeting, and it is surprisingly affordable. First of all, no one is slabbing this. Uh, no. There are three books on the census. Uh, raw, you could buy this book for $4, $8 every day uh, easily on eBay. Not an expensive book. But again, it's just, that, that's the kind of opportunity you want to take advantage of ultimate fallout was a four dollar book you know months after uh it came out eight dollar book uh, this is an opportunity to to pick up a book before other people discover it and and run with it me i grabbed uh midtown had a sale going where for 99 cents on certain titles and 
I found this book available for for 99 cents. I bought a stack of them. Wow. So if something happens where this becomes uh, a character, I'm, I'm set up for a reasonable uh, investment to, to make a profit. If not, eh, it's it's not a huge loss at that point. So so definitely, I think this is this is something to hold uh, long term. We won't see Nova most likely in phase four. If we see him, it's probably going to be in phase five. So you're talking five, six years before we see something that really happens with this character. Let's be real. There's so many other characters that Marvel has to to, to first introduce. Uh, so this is an opportunity to buy it cheap and uh, reap the profits, hopefully, in the future. You know, I, I, I have this run. I've never read it. I love Nova, so I just kind of automatically pick anything up that has Nova on it, despite who is pretending to be Nova at that time, besides Richard Ryder. I can't get past the covers. They're so cartoony. I can't do yeah. it. I can't do it. I can't deal. I love some cartoony art, but for some reason, this cutesy pie, Scotty Youngish, Ed McGinnis, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, this, this, this particular run has a lot of that. There are other runs that don't. They're a little bit more serious. Okay. One other point to make, cover number one, issue number one for this cover, uh, for this series, actually has both Sam and Richard on the cover. So that is the first cover appearance where the two of them are together. But the story does not have Richard Ryder in it. He doesn't appear until issue number two. So issue number one is a little bit more expensive. I bought a copy uh, for about 20 bucks. And um, I, I wouldn't mind. I, you know, I would recommend if you come across it expensively to pick it up just because it's their first cover appearance together. But if the real story is in issue number two. I think I hold a lot against this run because the run prior to it where it was uh, Richard Ryder and it was written by Abnett and Lanning was so good. It ran for three years. It tied into Guardians of the Galaxy. They really redeemed Richard Ryder and made him, you know, worthy of being the head of the Nova Corps. And now I just, you know, oh, here's a 12 year old wearing the helmet. Uh, it's comic books. Cyclops is a, is a 14 year old and in, in, in champions now. I don't know. But I just I just wish he would get off my lawn. Just <laughs> Why are you on my lawn? Get out, go play in your own yard, kid. This is mine. I also like the Eric Larson run of Nova that only lasted seven issues. Sadly, uh, it came it, the timing on that was horrible. But it's uh, a nice segue from Eric Larson doing <laughs> to my pick for underrated book of the week, which is Supreme Number Sixty Seven. Huh? Eric Larson relaunched this long-running image title from Rob Liefeld's stable uh, a few years ago. I guess it's been, gosh, it's been almost uh, seven years or so, I think. Picked up a lot of the stuff that Alan Moore had laid down previously. We've talked about my love for the Alan Moore run on Supreme on right. this podcast before. But this issue in particular is here because it features Supreme versus Omni-Man from Invincible. Amazing, yeah. This book is insanely scarce. According to Richard's favorite website, Comicron, <laughs> the print run for number 65 was just over 5,000 copies. There is no Comicron listing for this issue, to prove Richard's point, so we can assume it was either the same or maybe even less, as retailers tend to drop their orders as a book goes along. It's currently going for $50 to $80 on eBay, sold prices, but I bet a lot of Invincible fans have no clue this book even exists. Oh, yeah. You showed me the cover for this. This is an amazing book. 
Yeah, it's a great uh, one of those great Eric Larson homage covers mm-hmm. from the uh, Justice League, I think, with Superman versus Captain Thunder, who was supposed to be a Captain Marvel stand in. And you've got, you know, Supreme as Superman and Omni-Man as Captain Thunder. Yeah, especially if, if we continue to see, um, you know, success with the um, with the Invincible TV show, this this could end up uh, picking up some heat. I think if you had a comic con coming up and you put this on your wall for 80 bucks, you'd be gone in the first hour. We'll see. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If you can find one, good luck. I just happen to have one because I love Eric Larson. My love for Eric Larson saves me. (laughs) And your love for, uh, for Supreme as well. Yeah. The, the Alan Moore on Supreme before that, uh, I'm going to pass. Hey, that's going to do it for this week, Richard. Wow, already? Yeah. <laughs> we were, we were, in, it seems like the more insanely prepared we are for this show, the shorter it ends up being. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Well, you know what? If everybody, if they want to follow us, Facebook and Instagram, Bronze and Modern Gods, or you can go to our website at bronzeandmoderngods.com. Um, my partner, John. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> I was no, I was just, I was just saying, I was just saying, my partner John, it's good to see you. Oh, there you go. Okay, I thought maybe you froze or something. No, no, I was, I, I didn't really have any place to go after that. All right. Well, hey, thanks everybody for joining us, and make sure you stick around. Uh, hit that notification bell so you know about our bonus episode when it goes live later this week, and we will see you then. Everybody, stay safe. <laughs>